Welcome back, my friends, to the Swiss Spa, where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Holton and Paul Lewis. Hello, guys. How's it going? Another week. Almost 200 episodes, and I think we finally realized never waste a good story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think the bar for good is <laughs> but... But otherwise, I'm with you. All right, fine. Never waste a story. A story. There we go. <laughs> that works for me. So, so I hear you're looking at buying a car. So, yeah. so um, I, I think everyone at this point knows I have a significant number of vehicles. I have more vehicles than any person should reasonably have. Okay. That's why you have an 18 car garage. Are you competing with, uh, with Jane Leno? From no, the- uh, I, I don't have, I wish I had Jay Leno's budget. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting interesting thing about Leno. Leno never spent any of his Tonight Show money. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. 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 He banked all of it. Interesting. I find that I find that fascinating, right? How many how many people have the ability to say that, right? They were on that they were on tonight tonight show for that long. I spent all my money. Yeah. And he has that car collection. Mm-mm. Right. Um, outside of like the Sultan of Brunei and the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, he may have the most valuable car collection in the world. Now, did he trade up for those? I don't know. But <laughs> speaking of that, there's a car YouTuber I follow. Um, happy to plug him. It's Legit Street Cars. Mm-hmm. Nice name is Alex. Uh, Alex kind of got started with, I think it was an E55 AMG Mercedes Benz. Um, the I'm going to nerd for a second, right? The E55 yeah. is a supercharged K113. M113K motor, I think is the specification. It's a five liter supercharged engine that it, at, in about 2003 was producing 400 horsepower, hmm. which is a ton of horsepower for that time, right? That was before we got into the 2010s kind of horsepower wars. Right. Um, so I've been following him for a while. What I like about him is he's entertaining, but he also, I learned something in every single one of his podcasts. And since I'm a big car nerd, um, learning something about cars is a ton of fun. Um, seeing him do things that you don't normally see, like change the valve body on a Mercedes automatic transmission for the Chrysler high performance version to get better shifting is kind of cool. Hmm. Um, and recently, a lot of words I don't understand, but go ahead. It's okay. It's okay. That's not the point. <laughs> and so that last video right there, where it says perfect combo LS engine and W124 Mercedes. Yep. Okay, so the W124 Mercedes is a 90s era Mercedes from when Mercedes built cars without a focus on their cost, mm. right? Um, like they used a whole cow per seat <laughs> for the leather. Right. Um, the interior's extremely nice, extremely well made. The dashboards don't, you know, the dashboard's not cracked. The cars were just built like tanks. Mm. Um and some lunatic took the anemic diesel engine out and put in an LS engine. Hmm. So, you know, 400 horsepower Chevy General Motors engine into this Mercedes Benz where the car was beautiful, but the engine would always make you feel like your grandfather was on a Sunday drive. And it fit. <laughs> there was no uh, compatibility problems. I mean, they were they were all worked out, and so everything works right. Replaced all the dash gauges because the, there was no way to make the make the dash work. 
Um, and everything works, right? Windows work, sunroof works, car screams. And it's just kind of fun um, and kind of gets around the, the, the one complaint I had of the W124. Uh, at the end of the video, Alex says, uh, I'm looking to trade the car or sell it. Um, and I want to trade up. And my goal is to kind of do a red paperclip thing and continue to trade up and trade up and trade up until, you know, I, I have something significantly more valuable than the car I started with. And this isn't the right. car I started with. This was the first of the trades or second of the trades. So, of course, I reached out this morning with a car that I have to trade. And I'm super excited because Alex and I have been going back all day long trying to figure out the logistics and see if this trade is going to work. Is he local to you in some way? No, he's Chicago. So. No. That's not too bad. I mean. Could be Orlando. That's, that is true, right? Yeah. I, I wonder I wonder what the drive to Chicago the drive to Chicago is about I'm gonna guess sixteen hours. I'm gonna I'm gonna map it, but that's my guess. It's about sixteen hours. Just meet in the middle. Just put on a flatbed. Meet in the middle. No it's trading anyway, right? Bed's not any fun. It's gotta it's gotta be it's gotta be uh meet in the middle at the, at a minimum. Gotta drive out there, you know. So then what's the uh, what's what's the peak of that trade up? Like what what would be the end what's the top what's the very best one could trade into uh, i if, so 14 hours and one minute without tolls that's how long it would take me to get to chicago mm. so i wouldn't i wouldn't too far off with 16 hours um so what is the best you could like if you continue to do subsequent subsequent yeah. trades to get to the best possible car that's right mm. presuming once you get to a certain level you're only going to billionaires to do trade-ups, right? But sure. presuming you could keep going all the way to the end, what's the end? Uh, that's a good, it's a $20 million hypercar. Hmm. Um, but, but that assumes, that assumes you just go with new cars. Right. Right. Like I see if it becomes a bond antique, then, well, well, yeah, because you know, then you get into stuff like uh, an F forty, right? Um, yeah, so you know, there's Bugattis and Rolls Royces in the in the greater than ten million kind of, kind of range, but that assumes we don't go for like a you don't you don't go for like a Ferrari F forty, you don't go for a um, uh, like a Duesenberg or something from from really early from the twenties teens or you don't go for um like a ferrari california like there's some really really cool cars that would be in the like 10 20 million dollar value right. range that are far from new so you kind of have to have a goal because you might have to pick a category at some point a certain age a certain style a certain level of antiquity a little certain speed yeah certain maybe I, mean, I, think, I think at some point it, it just completely falls apart anyways right because at some point like you're going to have to transition from one car class to another car class. Right. And getting like, like getting the buyer to want to make that switch is going to be really complicated. Right. Like if, right. if, if I have a, uh, if I have a 69 Daytona, right. Um, why would I trade that for a BMW M4? You know what I mean? Like those less, less age is the so difference. Off. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like, how do I, how do I make that appealing to someone that's going to make a leap of that, of that difference, right? Um, and and no one wants to go from a, you know, an exotic backwards or a hypercar backwards, 
right? So I think there's going to be some transition phases that he's going to have to play with. Unless that person already has a double, right? This is card trading. They already have two of those, so they, they're going to give one up in order. Yeah, but but like, okay, I have got it, got it, need it, got it, need it, and I don't. I only need one beachfront property, and let's say both of them are like, I bought the house next door in Newport Beach. Right. I bought the house next door in Malibu. Right. Super desirable location. It's a great location. It's worth, let's say, eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to trade it for another eight million dollar house. Do I really want an eight million dollar house in St. Louis, Missouri, though? <laughs> I bet it's much bigger. Sure, sure. But in one house, buy a lot more in St. Louis. In one house, I go outside all the time because it's Malibu, and thus the square footage is unlimited. Right. Because that's where I want to spend the time. In the other one, I need 12,000 square feet so I get bored of Missouri. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just got to stay in. Right? Like, I don't know anybody that's going to go, you know what? Um, Missouri's nice this time of year and California isn't. <laughs> got it. All right. Fair you, enough. You tra- you're trading up vehicles. Yeah. What about if we trade up from being an attendee to being a vendor? at a conference okay i'll buy that transition (laughs) (laughs) i've been trying to see where you guys are going where do i like and i'm like it's 10 minutes to the dot i'm not sure i appreciate the premise trading up from a customer or an attendee to a vendor yes maybe that's worth the start don't even start like why would you make that transition in your career no i would say what do you prefer do you prefer to be a vendor at a conference or a, an attendee at a conference? Mm. Or arguably the third option, which is a speaker at the conference. Well, a speaker by far. Yeah, so but, yeah definitely speaker ranks that. Right? But then of the next two. But of, of the next two, the question is, are you Prince Charming or Cinderella? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the question, right? Like, do you, do you want the expense account to take someone to the nice meals? Or do you want to be taken to the nice meals? <laughs> right. Right. So do you want to be Cinderella or Prince Charming? I've always said that my transition from running IT to effectively selling IT, uh, it was the exact same meal, different credit card. Right. My lifestyle actually didn't change. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, m- mine did. <laughs> yeah. right. I was being on call 100% of the time to 0%. Right. Fair enough. Right. Like, yeah. I just meant my conference lifestyle, not my... Sure. Yeah. No, my 3 a.m. lifestyle. My conference lifestyle is significantly, substantially different. Yeah. I don't I don't really get emergency calls. Right. I was gonna say that. Like like I can I can go to a conference and kind of concentrate on the conference. I say kind of because there's still like if I have I I think I did the math, I have th- an average of thirty nine meetings a week. Hmm. So if I have if I normally have thirty nine meetings a week, I'll have between three and nine meetings outside of the conference. Right. You know what I mean, so like, like the, it does, they don't go to zero, but they go, they go down so much that I can actually concentrate on the conference. Right. Whereas, when I was a, you know, an end user customer, when I was a t- an attendee, that didn't necessarily happen, and I had all the on call stuff that would come up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I think as a vendor, it's it's better. Um, it's worse because you're generally kind of stuck where you're at. You know what I mean? Now now you have meetings at your booth, mm-hmm. and as a as a vendor the meetings tend to be the same you know what i mean this yeah. is this is the current sales motion this is the message at the booth this is the conversations that are supported 
right? Maybe you're doing, maybe as a vendor, maybe you're presenting at your own booth and you're doing, you know, twice a day or three times a day for four days, the same exact presentation. Right. Yeah. Same pitch, different audience. Even if it's a speaking pitch, if you're just meeting one-on-one, you're still pitching either the company or the product or the service and it's the same 30 seconds. Yep. Yep. Same questions, same answers. You can anticipate most of the 15 minute window you have with this person. Yep. And the measurement is still how many MQLs and SQLs did you generate? Right. Right. Like, like it's not, it's not all rosy as a vendor at these events. <laughs> um, as an executive, it's a little different. You have, you have more freedom, right? Yeah. Um, I definitely have less booth duty than I would have had in the past. Sure. Sure. But you still have booth duty. You still have like the yeah. same expectation, right? Paul's there to help us close deals. Not, yeah. not just the dinner. Um, Are you finding that it's changed over the last several years where you have a much more well-defined objective? So before it was get all the leads you can, now it's 20 leads. You you won't be seen as successful unless you've hit this KPI. Yes, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. It it, it was very much we want leads to now we want this number of leads to be successful. And if we don't generate this number of leads, then we're not successful. And is badge scan lead? Uh, I mean, not for me. If if the lead doesn't have a note, it's useless to me. I don't. I have no interest in it whatsoever. Right. So it was badge scan, but it was a conversation, and you put in notes in the badge scan. You press submit. We're good. But if it's a yep. walk by tchotchke badge scan, not it's meaningless. Interesting. Meaningless. Not, totally meaningless. Yeah. Right. I mean, the whole point is for it to be a qualified lead, not just a lead. Right. Otherwise, we'd remove the queue from MQL and SQL. <laughs> just be a marketing lead and a sales lead those are useless yeah. i want qualified so, so last time last time you said as an attendee you attend lots of meetings or your goal is to talk to lots of people yep. your goal effectively is the same on the reverse as a vendor though C- correct yeah and it doesn't matter which direction it is right even as a yeah. vendor when i like when i walk the floor or when i go to sessions um, I still try to generate conversations. I still try mm. to meet people. I'm just going to meet different people. Right? My goal still being the same. I may I may go to other booths and see what my smart competition is saying, and then, you know, mm. my takeaway might be I need to hire that person. Right. Right. Or, or that or, message seems to resonate. Maybe I need to reevaluate what my message is. Yep. Or and this has happened too. I go, oh, I'm no, I'm no longer concerned about them as competition. Mm. I mean, they're missing the point or something along those lines, right? Right. Or they had a really good point. Right? Even if it didn't resonate. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. They're not saying it the right way. That's really interesting. Do you find yourself going to the same amount of content as if you're an attendee? Keynotes? No, I go to way more notes. content as an attendee. Yeah, agreed. And, and, and this is kind of pre the last two years. Yeah. It's pre the last two years. If you paid for a pass, you just got to go. They didn't always simulcast it and you didn't always get to stream it. Right. Now you always get to stream it. It's, I can't, I don't even know the last, the last one I went to where they're like, yeah, we don't do streaming for anything. Right. Right. And so it would have to be a very small conference. Yeah. 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 And those are annoying. Very small. Any any conference that doesn't record, I don't, you don't even have to live stream it, but make it available a month, at least, you know, a month after and let me watch all the episodes. Like I, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have engineered it so there is more than one track. Therefore, it's conceivable I would be interested in things I could not see. Right. Why penalize me? By right. default. Right. Why go neener, neener, neener? It's too bad to be you. No, I paid you. Give me the <laughs> right. contract. 
Which is kind of why I like the analyst conferences, because for the most part, they post the decks in the app, right? Yeah. So you can pick and choose which breakout you want to go to based on the content of the deck sometimes, right? You can scroll through them and say, okay, I got the, I got the general gist. I'm not going to learn much here. I'm going to go to another one, so, even if the topic was interesting. So as an analyst, it's totally different. Because as yeah. an analyst, and we could talk about this more, more in depth next week, I get a program. Hmm. I tell them what I'm interested in, AR puts it together. And they make sure right. I meet all the right people and have the conversations that, that they think I should and that people want to have with me. Right? It's it's a much more like catered experience. Right. And I would I would just generally love that. When you go now as a vendor, are you the talent or are you the executive? Uh, it depends. I, I actually prefer to be the talent that, over the executive. I'm mostly the talent. But it the depends. Moment. Yeah. Right. I'm mostly the person that they bring to the session to speak or to the meeting or to the dinner or to the party with the assumption that I'm going to schmooze, right? I'm going to entertain in some way. <laughs> that entertain might be a conversation or it might be a presentation, but that's, I'm there to be the talent, not necessarily to be the executive. Sure, there are other executive roles there, but you know, that's that's usually what they use me for. So I would say it's, let's say 70-30, right? So 70% of the time I'm the talent. Um, I'm there to smooze. I'm there to raise profile. I'm there to, to do that sort of thing. 30% of the time I'm the executive, which falls into two categories. One, executive problem solving. Hmm. I have an issue, blah, blah, blah. Two is executive to executive meetings. As in, hmm. if I wasn't the executive, they're not interested in meeting with me. Right. Right. An executive wants to meet another executive. Um, yeah. So that's, it's 70-30, I would say. Hmm. Do you get a lot of problem solving? It's actually very rare that somebody would come up in a session that where I'm a vendor at to say, hey, uh, we're having a customer service issue with you, right? Or a technical no, problem. With it's, it. pretty, it's pretty seldom. Yeah. It, you know, it happens from time to time. I, I, we, you know, but, but, you know, what I do is what the company does is very specific. And so it kind of makes sense. You know, I didn't, right. I didn't like how we were placed. That's true. You know, why, why weren't we on this report? I don't know. I can find out. It's fine. That's that's that. And and just for the record, that is executive problem solving. Right. Right. I will look into it and get back to you. Your immediate response isn't maybe you should have been better. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> some, sometimes, like, how did you communicate? Did you actually, you know, like, there's a it's a stage process. Did you go through the stages, or did you just complain afterwards because you ignored all the emails? Right. Either, but I can and, and I've worked with either, right? No, right. we didn't notice it. No, we you know we missed it. Whatever, whatever. Okay, all right. Well, that that changes the response, but it but it doesn't mean I'm not going to see if there's something we can do. Logistically, do you concern yourself with stand up, stand down, a booth, um, sort of any of the planning and logistics of the event itself? I would uh, prefer not you know, to. meeting prep, all that kind of stuff. That's not something you're generally involved in. Um, uh, so about two weeks out, I go through my calendar hmm. and I go through each and each, each meeting I go, okay, so what are we doing here? Why yeah. are we doing it? Right. Because, um, like I have a four meeting per day limit, hmm. right? That, that's meetings, events. Like if I'm getting on stage and speaking, that counts as one. Right. Right. So it's four. Um, and there's always seven, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And so I got to go through and I go, okay, okay, well, so we said four, let's talk right. through which ones we're canceling. Right. Like, and, and it tends to be, 
you know, the, the ones that are early that are, that are, you know, kind of pie in the sky. Um, you know what I mean? And so it's like, no, I want to yeah. trim this down to things that I think are going to be valuable and interesting. And if we don't think it's going to be either, then why are we doing it? You know? Do you have break times? Uh, yeah. I mandate an hour in between or a half hour in between. Sorry. Um, and then the other thing I started to do is um, I'm going to conferences, like big conferences. I'll go with someone else. Right. So I can be a hundred percent focused on the conversation that I'm having and that someone else takes notes, you know, tracks follow up, right. Um, you know, does communication, that sort of thing, make sure that the, the I's are dotted and the, and the T's are crossed. Usually um, a seller. No, I prefer not to. Interesting. Yeah. Who do you use? Um, so, so, um, I hired, uh, an executive assistant and then promoted her to run, uh, advisory. So I'll bring her often, um, because she runs advisory. So a lot of the people that we speak to are advisory customers. Right. Um, she, she didn't have, we don't have the ability to transact. Which is why I said no to seller, right? Like if they said, we want, we're, we love everything you do. I want to buy 20 hours, which is a lot of hours. Cause right. advisory is not consulting. Right. I would go, Fantastic. Call this person. Neither one. That's yeah, right. We're not involved in the, <laughs> We're not involved in the revenue production. Right. So at Black Hat, it'll actually be my head of marketing. Hmm. It's coming. Hmm. So do you spend a lot of time with the sellers? Though? Like, like my involvement on the either show floor or in the booth or in meetings is seller setting up, right? Or CE setting, whatever the sales. Yeah, yeah. yeah the seller set up most of the meetings. And then we're engaging as, you know, four legs or six legs. And then they're responsible for the follow-up of whatever that meeting was. I'm neither yeah. taking notes, nor am I even thinking about the next steps. Yeah, when when when, when at, on the vendor side, when I when we have when when I have a booth, right, which doesn't happen now, but has happened in the past, when I have a a booth, it's my job to be where where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there, hmm. and not really anything else, right? And so now it's it's someone generally not in sales that that pairs with me. In that case, it would be the salesperson that set up that meeting that brings the customer over and introduces them, and and we kind of go back and forth. And and, and no, my, I'm a goldfish. My memory of the event starts when the event begins, and and <laughs> memory vanishes after the event's over. So yes, I'm not I'm not required to track anything, right? And I'm very firm on it. Right? If you want notes, take them. If you want follow up, take it. Right? You are the one with the bag. I'm not. It should matter to you a whole lot more than it does me. Um, Mine's and I'll be honest, a physical impairment. I just simply can't remember what happened in the right. last three meetings to appreciate what action items there might have been. And if you set up a follow up, but you you provided no notes. I'm not really interested in supporting you as a salesperson. Right. Right. Like you were in the meeting. You didn't take notes. I carried the conversation. Right. Got the customer excited. You didn't provide any notes afterwards and then set up a follow up. Right. How, how are you helping me? Especially if I look at you explicitly say, we should do this. Yeah. Get them this document. This would be an interesting follow up. Like explicit as it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, Gigom specifically, where would you show? Like, what what's the best bet if you were to have a booth? I'm trying to appreciate where that would be. I don't generally. I, I don't generally. No, Either, um, like as an institution, you don't yeah, show anywhere necessarily. No, so we we it's not it's not a place that we really invest at the moment. Hmm. Um, it's hard. To, to for us, I think to to really do a booth, like there's 
there is an investment not just in the cost of the booth but also like people are investing hundreds of thousands of dollars in booths oh, yeah. so you have to make a relatively significant investment in the tech and the setup and the people and everything to make that valuable right. um and the messaging really has to be on point right um and i don't know i i don't know how to tell someone i haven't yet been successful with telling people how to really explain our value prop mm. like i i seem to do okay with it um i don't know that i want to try it in bulk at a conference so then the reverse question if that's true then giggum could do your own conference what's yeah. the likelihood of that future so in the past we did Uh, Um, very much did um so the likelihood of that future um i think gigaom will likely have its first conference in say 2026 in person in person yeah yeah Yeah. would you attempt virtual before that like yeah in 2025 nice um and it'd be focused on end users consumers of analyst product uh consumers of tech product yeah 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 yeah, that's a that 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 would be much more interesting. Um, mostly because like we will, as a CIO, you're happy to hear talk to and hear from your peers. Yeah, right. Um, vendors are less less likely to want to do the same because <laughs> right. they're competitive. Like I I don't I don't I don't compete with another CIO. I don't compete with another CTO. I just don't. Right. right? You may you may have natural competitiveness because you want to be fantastic and they they may be better than you, but that's just. That's just kind of the natural stuff. We're not actually in competition. That's right. I'm more than happy to share with my my C level peers at other at other organizations about the stuff I do that, that they could find helpful. You know, even in the recruiting cycle, you're not competitive because you don't even know who the other <laughs> competitors are at that point, right? You're still trying to be the best you can be. In that Correct. Situation. Yeah, it's so much more valuable also to just like even if even if the companies compete, right? Right. Even if I'm City and you're Wells it's still valuable to me to be able to have a, a direct conversation with you. A hundred percent. I'll be as open, at least as open with you as you are. With me. Yeah. I've never felt the, I've never assumed or felt that I was competitive with any other peer that was in the room in any situation, even if we're there in the same geography and same business I was doing. Cause we still have, even though there might be like problems, there's still different problems. Right? Sure. Like the reality is most problems are centered on individual people on your team. Well, guess what? Their team looks different than my team. Sure. <laughs> They're different people, actual sure. people. Therefore, different relationships. And, you know, there's a lot more different than there's the same, even if we're delivering a banking system. Right. <laughs> okay. That's kind of where it's the same. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a lot more same, but it's it's same to a percentage. Right, same to a percentage. There's no, there's nothing that's same to a hundred percent. But that's not, you know, fifty thousand foot, hundred thousand foot. Right. Um, but, but there is, there is same to, you know, to seventy percent, sixty percent, fifty percent. Right. Even if, even if it's like, hey, I, I, you know, I've got this thing on my team. Yeah, you may not have that thing on your team, but as an exec, you've probably had that problem before. Right. You've probably managed a team that's had that particular dynamic and and had to figure out some way to work through it. Sure. And thus can talk to it. You know. So then, from a vendor perspective, do you? consider it the same are vendors competitors too so if you're on the floor you'd go to a competitor and say hey i'm sure i'm from x company we clearly compete head to head on some circumstances but wouldn't it be interesting to talk i mean i did yeah right i talked to every competitor we had when we were at our former shared employer 
You know, it's interesting because they actually don't care. They actually start having the conversation. Uh, some of them care. Yeah. Some of them don't want to talk to you. And I had that happen multiple times. Really? They pushed oh, you yeah. away? Oh, for really? sure. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I actually got some secrets, like how they were implementing this stuff and telling us how they were better than what I was doing on the previous employer. Yeah. Like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. No, it was always the individual. It wasn't the booth. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you, you know, you'd walk up to NetApp and all of NetApp would turn you away. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But and I think product companies are less concerned than service companies because product companies already have all their content readily available to be consumed, right? You could already compare your product with their product, right? That already existed. So there wasn't a lot of secret sauce they could be telling you. But on a services side, there's a lot of closely held secrets there. Our, our process, our delivery, our people, our whatever, right? It's It might be slightly different. And it's very difficult to compare two different services companies in, in any real way. In fact, websites don't even tell you much between two services companies, right? Other than the topics they're willing to talk about. Interesting. Great. So, vendor, attendee, no preference. They're, um, they're equally good to you. No, I think they're I think they're equally good and very different. Mm-hmm. The only value that you have at a um, as a as a attendee is you have more freedom to pick your to pick your schedule for sure. Right. Sure. Right. Way more freedom. If, if all I want to do is sit in sessions all day, I can sit in sessions all day. If all I want to do is visit the expo hall, I can visit the expo hall. True. When I get exhausted, I can just walk away. <laughs> right. Um, as a vendor, you don't really have that. Like, like your, your life is no. scheduled. Same, yeah. same with as a speaker. You have, you have far less freedom that way as a speaker or analyst because right? you tend to be like, like as an attendee of an end user organization, um, conferences are the fun thing we get to do and still get paid. It's still considered work. Correct. (laughs) At every meal, um, I get free stuff. I get to enter raffles. Like I get to meet with other people that I know. Right. They're, they're fun. Um, And, and at the end of it, if I come home and I don't bring anything back to the organization, sure. Somebody may say, we're not sending you that one again next year. Right. But the reality is there's not really a penalty for it. Right. Right. If I'm smart, I make sure that the organization gets something out of it. Right. But but even when I make sure the organization gets something out of it, I get 10 times what the organization does. Right. Like ten, I get 10 times learning for the one X I put out. Yeah. Learning, uh, relationships, networking, all, content. Um, they're a great, yeah. great way to find your next employer. Right. That's certainly. 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 Right. Now that is also true on the uh, vendor side. On the vendor side, <laughs> right? It is it, the the only way that it's more true than the vendor side is on the speaker side, right? Right. Yes. As a speaker or an analyst, oh, they're fantastic. That's right. There's a lot of people coming up to you at the end of that gig. Yeah. 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 So um, don't dismiss the networking value of a conference ever. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why I say right. Build relationships. Be be impactful. Right, because because that that networking value cannot be um, cannot be understated. It really can't. The 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 amount of value there or can't be overstated. I mean, the, the amount of value there is just huge. Um, as uh, you know, if you're a vendor, every other vendor that re- that is even tangentially related to you is there. Go right. make relationships for for Pete's sake. Um, 
So you talked about bring back value. If the bring back value as an attendee is in many ways content, content or content summary, what's the bring back value as a vendor? Like what's what's next week look like after a conference? Competitive and market intelligence. Hmm. Right. Well, what is the competition doing? Yeah. Right. What are they doing that's better or worse? Right. And if you were to if you were to lay everybody out on a racetrack, right, where would you put your car and where would you put their car? Yeah. Right. So who's ahead of you and who's behind and then and then who's maintaining more speed through the turns yeah right so is your velocity greater than theirs or not um and what then, the thematic differences between everybody and is there a gap or an overlap and is there any adjustments we need to make based on that gap overlap yep can yep. you fill a gap that, that you just that you saw right, right. can you do, do you need to pivot right. or do uh, we all read the same pivot. right and if we all read the same then we have to change just to Right. Create just differentiation. Yeah. Right. Um, and then new relationships. Hmm. Or, you know, um, refreshing old existing relationships. Mm -hmm. Both of those, I think, are important. We have, a, we have a program called Friends of Pythian, right? Because we've been around for 25 years and there's a lot of CIOs and CTOs or executives that have moved from the organization that was a client to some other organization. So what we find is when we go to conferences or just through our networking that we'll see, you know, John or Sally, John and Sally works for somewhere else. And that's now created a friend of Pythian for a new lead, no opportunity at that next organization. So we have a very specific program to say, let's see if Sally's there. And if Sally's there, let's reach out directly and say, hey, remember when we had that great, you know, professional services gig? I, I wonder if we could do that again. So very value to continue. For sure. Yeah, sure. All right, Carlos. Now um, we've heard both sides. Oh, so there is one other rule. Oh, no swag. Don't be responsible for swag. That's a sucker. No, definitely not. Right. Yeah. So at the end of the conference, you're a vendor. You're at the end of the conference, you're standing at the booth. Everybody's trying to figure out what to do with the leftover swag. Any swag that you're given, walk around and just hand it out. <laughs> don't don't be a sucker. Don't try to check that crap and take it home. <laughs> I, I never do. Right. Make it someone else's responsibility. It's an SCP, a someone else's problem. <laughs> someone else's problem. SCP, that's a good one. Right? And if you're not, if you don't have a, a meal planned, plan a meal for Pete's sake. Yeah. Right? But, but if, you, if, if, you, if, if dinner's five hours away and you have four meetings, that's four opportunities to have someone interesting at a dinner. Yeah, that's right. Hey, but by the way, would you want to go grab uh, the steak with me? Yeah. Plan accordingly. I mean, you know, it, there, there's very little you can do to, to make a relationship better than one-on-one -on -one off the expo floor. Right. Right. No pressure. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's got to eat. That's the best part, right? Yeah. Generally. And Starbucks. So that's right. Everybody Starbucks needs coffee. Everybody needs to eat. Everybody wants a drink at happy hour. That's true. That is actually one thing we didn't talk about. Um, one of the things that I do recommend and I do do is I make sure like if there's a thing that I, I drink a lot of Gatorade, diet Gatorade. Um, I like it more than water. I like it more than soda. Um, I identify where is the easiest path for me to get that? Where's the easiest path for me to get a, a, a coffee um, and a snack? Mm. Those three things. Right. And I know exactly where those are. Even if I have to walk further because I've moved through the expo floor, right? right. I know where my favorite one is and how to get to it from anywhere. Right. And yeah. that is a really important thing because as you go from meeting to meeting, Right? Being able to go, well, if I go two minutes out of my way, I can get refreshed rather than waiting. And then before long, it's like, right. oh, my God, it's, you know, now I'm thirsty. 
I went from thirsty to really thirsty. Now I'm de- now I'm entering dehydration because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> right, that's a piece of logistics that I highly recommend. And at eleven o'clock, and and you know when you're finally stumbling back to the hotel in Vegas, knowing how to get yourself a Gatorade or a water or a coffee is really important. It, it's a good tip. I time all of my expo walks during snack times. So if there would clearly be a table as I walk by that will have some sort of packaged good (laughs) (laughs) Mm, snacks. Well, there you have it. Additional how to learn to be a good sponsor as a tech conference, but also how to refresh. We didn't say that last week, but that also is an important part when you're an attendee. Because if you're there the whole day and then you're going to go the night for the event, you need to be replenished and make sure that you know what you're doing. So, my friends, make sure that you share, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode.